On this week's episode, Doctor Strange conjures up some big dollars. Halo goes off the rails. And what's the future for Moon Knight? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassman from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do whatever. It takes to go ahead and support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, PopCultureCosmos.com, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, because we're the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook, and we've got a ton of tabletop RPG games each and every week for you. Plus, if you could go ahead and support Humanican Media and everything that we do, including all the great stuff, again, at PopCultureCosmos.com, it is sincerely appreciate it but it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend he is our own conjurer of sorcery in the multiverse the pop culture cosmos multiverse of course it's a good man indeed you got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com humanican media with his great shows topic apocalypse and the super bs games cast that are on file and you can go ahead and check out all the back episodes wherever you get your podcast plus his amazing book Congratulations, you suck. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What's up? And happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers out there. I know you'll be hearing this after Mother's Day, but absolutely the thought remains the same. Yes, happy Mother's Day indeed. I know you and I have been called mothers on this show on more than one occasion, so do want to mention that if you got a chance this past weekend in this all this action with Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, and all the stuff that went on during the course of the weekend, the end of Moon Knight, and also as well Halo continuing the debut of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which I will say, I did get a chance to see it. It is one of the best Star Trek debut episodes ever, so please go ahead and check it out. That's Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I do want to mention it was free comic book day this past weekend. And I'll bet you if you did get a chance to go, which unfortunately our comic book man did get a chance to go this year. There's still probably a lot of free comic books that you can get at your local comic book store. Our local comic book store has, they always have like these spinning racks, all the leftover stuff from free comic book day. They always pop up on there. So I'm definitely going to try to grab some. What do you got here? So we got Marvel voices. Well, I only got a limited amount. I could only get six. So I got Bloodborne based off the video game. Oh, nice. I wonder if yes. that means they're getting ready to explore that world a little more. Maybe, maybe, because, you know, they got to do everything now in comic books. Sonic the Hedgehog for one of my daughters. She's actually away at Washington, D.C., visiting that right now. So getting got that for her. Spider-Man and Venom. Always a good thing when you get those two together, because I know Sony wants to eventually make a billion dollars from it. And then you've got... Well, as long as Tom Holland's there. Marvel Judgment Day there and Dark Crisis from the DC. Cannot yeah, forget yes, DC. Yes. Of course. Yes. Yeah. So, so some decent stuff there. You know, free comic books. Obviously, they want to get you to go make sure that you're there year round for all the great action of comic books. But yeah, if you get didn't get if you didn't get a chance to go, please go ahead and check out your local comic book store today. You'll be glad you did. I'm sure there's a lot of leftovers. I'm pretty yeah. sure. You know, I, I've learned here as like a parent of three young ones, just finding time to go to the comic book store. It's not as relaxing a hobby as it used to be. You know, I used to go in yeah. there and be able to browse, not to tell kids to stop touching things, stop running around. Yes, I will get there. I would love to. I miss comic books. Well, actually, I wasn't planning to go, but my older daughter, who is still here in Las Vegas right now, she asked me to go, and it reminded me of the days where my girls actually were very excited to go and check out each and every year free comic book day. So I was excited to go ahead and relive those 
memories and we actually went there and had a good time so please go ahead and enjoy yourself if you can at the comic book store and go ahead and pick up some i'm sure extra free comic books today at the comic book store of your choice but we've got a great episode on tap it's a spoilerific episode spoilers coming right at you through the entire episode because we're going to be talking a whole bunch of spoilers when it concerns dr strange and the multiverse of madness we are going to go ahead and share our thoughts. I already shared a non-spoilerific review of Doctor Strange on the Friday show. So if you didn't get to see it yet, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and put this on pause, this episode, and you can go ahead and check it out later. You can go ahead and check out my thoughts on the movie itself in a non-spoiler fashion on the Friday show, The PC Multiverse, with Melinda Barkhouse Ross. Plus, we're also going to be talking spoilers on Halo Episode 7. Oh, my gosh and it went down to a place that josh did not want it to go uh. yes absolutely so we'll be talking about that we'll also be talking about moon knight the series and the final episode great performances especially by oscar isaac but did the series go where i wanted to go and did it do everything i needed to do personally as an mcu fan and what Josh thinks about it as well, he's going to share some thoughts, and I'm going to share some thoughts on Moon Knight as well. But first, my friend, it is Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. The latest box office results have it a big win for Marvel in the expected range where most analysts predicted between 175 to 200 million. It's going to fall right around 185 to 190 million dollars domestically and 400 million dollars worldwide so it's great news for marvel which last year because of the limited and fractured and pandemic ridden box office results didn't make quite what they made from any of the films last year so great news for marvel as far as on the money side but it was dr strange the multiverse of madness and before i share again my thoughts on the movie itself like I did on Friday, in a more detailed now and spoilerific fashion. I want to hear your spoiler thoughts on Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I have a lot of mixed feelings on this one. It seemed like a really weird place to go, and I guess Sam Raimi is the right guy for it, but I, there's just something that didn't sit well with me, having Scarlet Witch as the bad guy. It seems like there's some continuity issues, because in the end of WandaVision, she kind of didn't so much as come to terms but there's a a peaceful ending to that show you know and she had pushed away the darkness like she didn't let it get into her and then all of a sudden we fast forward yes i'm searching for america chavez so i can go to these other dimensions and i will kill all of these monks just to get what i want marvel has always done a great job of setting their own rules you know setting rules for characters and worlds and this kind of broke those rules it just didn't sit well with me well, her obsession for finding her kids, quote unquote, you know, the kids that she conjured up yeah. in WandaVision, that's Billy and Tommy. That's what really drove her obsession. And that's what's really is driving her obsession throughout this film. So I think that's what really has come to play. They're saying that it's given her that madness as far as driving what she's doing throughout the entire film. Right. But it just didn't make sense with what happened at the end of WandaVision. You know, like yeah. there was, like I said, it wasn't like a, a super peaceful ending, but there's a realization like, oh, how could I do these things to these people, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden she's like insane out of her mind in this. I don't know. It just, it, it didn't make sense with how her character was developed. Sam Raimi camera style. Yeah, absolutely. And this is why this is, you know, I was telling my wife too, I was saying this is, I see why Scott Derrickson stepped away from this one because this version of dr strange like did not fall anywhere in line with what he had originally created in the first one so i totally see why he stepped away from this one yeah villain aside the movie was okay like it, it's it's not my top five it's not my favorite i didn't hate it and there was a lot of interesting stuff done like i love the mixing of sorcery and witchcraft like you see these different corners of the mcu coming together America Chavez, I was always, I was always like thought to myself when I saw her in comic books, I'm like, that's kind of a stupid power. But then like seeing her come to life on the screen, I'm like, oh, okay, she was pretty cool. Really enjoyed seeing the Illuminati. I did not so much like it was weird because they didn't really clarify like the Illuminati are dead now. So what does that leave? In that universe. In that universe. But 
they didn't specify whether they were all lived in that universe or if they were from well except for baron mordo baron mordo lived he's just like trapped somewhere down i yeah. guess where after he fought dr strange for like two minutes you know you know like right. a fisticuffs mask for guys who were spellcasters yeah so figure that one out yeah that was an interesting one anyways yeah. they didn't really like clarify like did these all these characters come from different universes or are they all from the same one this is just their version of that because it would have been really cool to see an incorporation of the x-men coming into this you know and i loved how they name dropped like oh you're from universe 616 or whatever on their end because that was really cool Really love John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic. Like that was surprisingly well done to me for all of four minutes in, in two, all of the you know, four yeah, yeah. yeah. Overall, though, like it was it was an okay movie. Like I love the zombie Doctor Strange. Like I really loved the cape made out of the corpse thing. Well, you know? That and Captain Carter make What If worth watching. Remember a year ago, yeah. I was saying why are we going to need to watch What If? We now have justification on seeing what if and why it takes place between captain carter and the zombie doctor strange so that's yeah. a good sign right there that you were rewarded for doing that which we'll talk about when it comes to moon Knight about being rewarded for watching it we'll talk about that later on but the illuminati i just want to go ahead that appeared in the movie which most of them were killed off was almost like a star trek reunion as well and a, and a surprise i think for some in one case was like you said the internet favorite reed richards hopefully in a fantastic four movie john krasinski i'm sure it's fan service for the internet but will it lead to something bigger in a fantastic four movie i'm not so sure they may cast a different actor but yeah. your thoughts on that it's already in production so i mean i'm assuming they're going to get him to play that character so my wife brought up an interesting point too as we walked out of the movie she said all these characters have doppelgangers in different universes. They're played by the same person. So why is it that the Spider-Men are different? There's some plot holes there that I'm sure will be addressed at some point. But Well, Baron there's... Mordo in this universe as far as 838. Yeah. It? Yeah, it's weird because you get to see him, but you don't see the Mordo that was on a mission to go ahead and destroy all witchcraft in the 616 universe at the end of the first Doctor Strange movie. There's no part of where he was at in this movie. So kind yeah. of left that part out of it. I was very disappointed on that end. But the Illuminati, just to let everyone know, was Baron Mordo, Professor X, aka Patrick Stewart from the X-Men movies. Also yeah. as well, Black Bolt, which is Anson Mount from Star Trek Strange New Worlds. From the Inhuman series on ABC that lasted a year, which everybody thought was awful. So it was great to see that even justified as far as that's Yeah, concerned. well, they incorporated it in because I thought that they were trying to get rid of that. Like that was supposed to be a... Swept under the rug. It never yeah. happened. But I guess it did happen. Absolutely. It's funny because you had the ending of Star Trek Picard season two last week. And then you also had the debut of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And both of those lead actors are in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Should have yeah. been wearing some Star Trek t-shirts while they were there. Then they also had Captain Carter, Haley Atwell, reprise that role from the animated What If. And then you had John Krasinski as well. So, yeah, that was your Illuminati. I thought that was pretty they, uh, cool. really cut her screen time in half, if you know what I mean oh yeah they did <laughs> her the way she ended up getting sliced and diced at the end there so yeah it was okay for me i believe you're right in your assessment it's okay it's not going to be anywhere near my top five but it wasn't a total dud for me it was it was yeah. an okay movie it was just very dark like i won't be showing my kids this one for a while but no it was, it was a very dark movie uh, not as many jump scares as we were led to believe i think yeah. because the pg-13 rating prevents it from really doing too much of that but there was two jump scares, and then that's pretty much it. I think that people will go, ah, over. But you're right, it is not for the kids. I think maybe early teens, I think, can get through it fine. But outside of that, anything younger might be, eh, might not be the greatest thing for them. I would probably advise against it for now. So, Or maybe watching it on the TV. Things aren't usually as scary when you watch them on the TV. It just seems yeah. that way. But I think overall, it's an okay film. I think it did what it needed to do as far as advancing Doctor Strange. It does have, and the cutscenes, I think, when it comes down to it, after everything is said and done, when Doctor Strange goes ahead and finds a way, using the Darkhold, to go ahead and defeat 
Wanda Maximoff, aka the Scarlet Witch's evil plans to try and jump dimensions and use the power from America Chavez to do so, as what was intimated to him by another Doctor Strange. Once you start reading the Darkhold, it'll never let go of you. And at the very end, you do see him get the power of the Darkhold, whether he likes it or not, with the third eye. But at the very end, can you go ahead and just let us know about the most important, not the Bruce Campbell end credit scene, because that was just a Sam Raimi treat there for you, if you're a Sam Raimi fan. But tell us about the final end credit scene that might lead us into what happens into the future of Doctor Strange. So Charlize Theron shows up and says, yep. like, hey, we need to go fix the multiverse. But she comes out of, like, the, the Dormammu one, the Dormammu realm, and her and Doctor Strange eventually get married. Clea? Yeah. Clea Strange. Yeah, so they eventually get married, which I guess is fitting because, like, he... Well, it's Clea right now, but she, when she gets married, like you said, Clea Strange. Yeah. So I and I guess that's kind of fitting because he had talked about like, oh, hey, you know, I would definitely give my life to somebody and have that companionship. And he's talking to Rachel McAdams and all that. But and he realizes his mistakes as far as what mm -hmm. went on with his, so, his relationship with her because he loses her in every single universe. Clea, who becomes in the comic books, Clea Strange popping out already knowing who Doctor Strange is, not caring that he has a third eye that he has gotten from reading the dark hold they go into the dimension where dormammu is at looking for probably a rematch against dr strange because of already something that he did previously so i ask you josh before we go ahead and head to the break on what's going on do you like where dr strange is being set up for the future this definitely changed everything I knew about the character as he exists in the MCU. Would I watch more? Yeah. I don't know. It's almost like jolting, though, some of the multiverse stuff. And I have a feeling that he's going to be forever tied to the multiverse in the MCU. You know, now he's got the eye of Agmato in his forehead. And so that's something that I'm curious how that's going to play out. How is that going to work? Because that essentially gives him the ability to control time. So... Are we going to see like the time variant showing up, you know, like they did in Loki? And how are all these things going to be tied together? His storyline is expanding the MCU in directions that it's never gone before. But at what point is it going to become too big? You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? You've heard others, but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Witness the hubris as they claim to be the world's authority on comic book movies. Who said that? Never said that. We've never said that. Who cares? A jock said that. Comic book, TV, movie, reviews, news, and whatever they choose. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. Seriously, people really listen to this. Uh, jock and Nerd! And the idea is trying to always cater to a general fan to make sure that they understand and can follow what's going on. I think it's getting to the point where it's dangerously on a thin line mm -hmm. for where MCU fans and people that are comic book fans can easily follow still. But for general fans who don't watch every single Marvel movie, it's going to be harder and harder for them to continue what's going on because that's the thing you worry about alienating those viewers. And that's the bulk of your audience. The bulk of the audience is not us that already know what's going on in the MCU. The bulk of the audience is just the general person who's seen five or 10 or 15 of the 20 some odd Marvel movies. They haven't seen everything. They don't know everything that's going on. So they just, yeah. they just come around every once in a while or pick the ones that they like. And mm -hmm. it's those individuals, it's going to become harder and harder to keep up with what's going on in the MCU. Absolutely. And, you know, it's getting to the point where it doesn't, you know, like you said, it doesn't really cater to casual fans anymore. And like having people like the Illuminati show up, you know, if you've never read a comic book or seen any of the other films, like you'd be completely lost there. Yeah. But I do appreciate the nod. Yeah, I do appreciate the nod, Nadine. But what didn't work for you in this film? Anything that really stood out to you? I mean, for me, it was just the fact that I thought that it got convoluted during the middle. I think it got a little bit messy as far as what it was trying to do and what it was trying to go ahead and 
and correlate out there. Just they added in some stuff right around the time of where they jumped universes into the universe with the Illuminati and all that, where they didn't get a chance to go ahead and flesh out the Illuminati as much as I think that they could have because of the fact that they either shortened the runtime a little bit too much or they just put too much in the middle that left the Illuminati out in the cold, so to speak, because the Illuminati just didn't, their appearance was just kind of almost underwhelming because they were gone within a matter of minutes. Yeah, that so that, you know, you're right. They didn't really get a chance to get fleshed out there. They didn't really explore, like, what happened between Rachel and Doctor Strange, you know, and I know it probably has something to do with him, like, turning to dust. Well, the previous Doctor Strange. The Doctor Strange in that multiple. No, no, no. I'm talking about the Doctor Strange in the mainline MCU. Like, they didn't oh, the really get a chance to, like, you know, talk about what happened with him. America Chavez, like, I would have liked to know more about her character. Obviously, we see her with that version of Doctor Strange, and we see a little bit about her parents. But we don't really know, like, where her powers came from. You know, what is it that makes her special besides her ability to travel the multiverse? Was she looking for her parents? We don't know. You know, that, that was a lot of those were some storylines that I felt need to be explored more. Like I said before, the Wanda being as far down the dark path as she was, that didn't make sense to me. Why did they kill Doctor Strange in the uh, Illuminati's universe? That didn't make sense to me. Where did the dark hold come from? That was something. Then they always talk about the Book of Vishanti. Like, what does that do? Like, it got burned up. So what does that do for people? Who does it help? Like, what was the point of all that? There's a lot of loose threads, and that's because with the multiverse, they have so many threads out there. I don't think they realized which ones that they had left untied. Yeah, and again, I told you, like, from the first film where Chueto, Yosho Four's character, Mordo, in that universe, in the 616, the regular MCU universe, at the very end, he went on a mission to go ahead and get rid of witchcraft, which was leading you to think it was going to be a confrontation between him and the MCU's yeah. Doctor Strange. That never happened because he never even showed up in this film. Baron Mordo in this other universe showed up. Yes, they did have a little bit of a fist fight, which was, again, kind of funny, considering that both are supposed to be masters of the mystic arts. Yeah. You know, it was just kind of funny. But OK, they're going to have a fist fight. All right. But it was not the same. It just didn't give you what it was supposed to represent from the first film. So I'm wondering if he'll show up back in the next Doctor Strange film as the MCU's mortal. So I don't know. It just that part of it just seemed to be a little bit lacking as well. So again, for me it was okay. It was just the visual art style, seeing Sam Raimi's imprint. I mean, his visual art style is very distinct. You can yeah. tell a Sam Raimi movie just by watching it for a few minutes and it's really distinct. Also, as well, I do want to mention the score, which was just outstanding. Guess who did it, my friend? Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman, indeed. Oingo Boingo in the house. Yeah, Danny Elfman did a fantastic job, including at the end, where there's a musical battle between mm -hmm. Doctor Strange's throwing literal musical notes at each other, and it's sounding off. And that was very clever. And that was very unique, and that I enjoyed. And I thought that was really good. But the score by Danny Elfman, obviously, it's got to be good because he's one of the best out there doing it. But overall, I think it was okay experience for me. I haven't placed it yet on my article that you can find at popculturecosmos.com. I'll probably be updating it this week on where I think it'll end. Have a hard time figuring out where I want to put it. It's going to be somewhere. It's going to be somewhere in ten to twenty, I think, maybe. Yeah, that is. It's not one that I'm in a hurry to watch again. Yeah, exactly. Same here. I'll probably watch it when it goes to Disney Plus, but I'm not going to go out into theaters and watch it unless the rest of my family wants to go ahead and see it. So we'll see what happens there. But we want to hear your thoughts on what's going on with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Badness. Please share your thoughts with us. Spoilerific, non-spoilerific, whatever you want to do there. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. But the big news, I think, when it comes to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is, my friend, that it earned a lot of money at the box office. It didn't seem like it was going to be, for me, something that was going to generate $200 million. It's not going to be, when all is said and done, I think, going to end up making us anywhere near what Spider-Man No Way Home 
it's going to make because I don't think Doctor Strange is the ultimate in box office champions that I think everybody's going to go ahead and check out and see. But he is good enough to go ahead and drive a first weekend of May blockbuster like this. And I think that $185 million domestically and $400 million start worldwide, I think that's a great note for Doctor Strange. I think that's about the maximum amount you're going to get from a Doctor Strange movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's it's it's worth watching. It's definitely worth watching. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it's able to keep this momentum going. You know, I had actually heard too that they were supposed to play a trailer for Avatar during Doctor Strange, and I never it never showed I up in it. my theater. Did you? Yep. It wasn't in my theater. It was how was the trailer? Was it cool? You've talked about this. I'm not a big fan of the Avatar movie. I'm just telling you right now. But I am going to go see it because my family is and. It showed you a different side of, of the planet, just showed you a different side of the Navi. Uh, it was beautiful, as always. It was blue, as always, you know, because the Navi are blue. And it was really cool. But did it wow you? No, because we've already seen... It just seems like a little bit higher res version of what you saw in 2009. Right, yeah. yeah so a it, long time ago. Yeah, so it's really not like huge leaps and bounds. You know, my gosh, I got to go see it type of trailer. Just showed you what they were doing and how life has evolved on that planet since then. Them working with humans. Then you have this one evil looking Navi that I think is probably like Jake is a human that became a Navi that now looks like he's going to be doing some evil things. Just gave you a little hints of that. I hope Stephen Lang's in the film again because Stephen Lang actually was the only saving grace for me in Avatar. And I will say that until the day I die. That was the only reason for me to actually watch the film and watch the film again because I know we're going to have to watch the film again. It's actually being put out there on theaters again the original avatar in september so look out for that unfortunately it's going to distance itself even more as the number one movie worldwide over avengers endgame which again makes me very sad i know they're they're cheating though they're cheaters in this case it resonates more worldwide than avengers endgame i'm sorry it's ultimately never going to be beaten on that realm because it just resonates the navi and avatar it just resonates worldwide more than have yeah. Avengers Endgame. James Cameron, he's having such a hard time just letting it go. Just let it go, man. Well, Avatar 2, 3, 9, 15, 20, and he's making all of them. So right now, Avatar 2 is coming out later this year. At, well, if you're in the right theater, I guess, you did get a look at it. So if you have thoughts on Avatar, The Way of Water, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Yeah. Well, coming up next, it is Jeff Sloboda from the MCU's Bleeding Edge. He's going to drop his knowledge on what he thought of Moon Knight and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Then on the back end, Josh and I are going to be talking Moon Knight, Halo, and maybe a little bit more after that as well. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, holy grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. So let me get this straight. We're gonna play a like a video game together, or well, not exactly. Okay, fine. W- where's the controller? Oh, uh, that's it's it's right here. This is literally a sheet of paper. I don't understand what you well, here. Re- you're gonna need these two. Dice? You just had are these even dice? We are gonna play Vampire the Masquerade. It's a role-playing game. What kind of vampire do you wanna be? Okay, now you're telling me there's more than one kind of vampire? Oh my friend, you have no idea. There's an Osferatu, there's Vampires and Vitae, an actual play podcast. Season two to Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glass. We're coming right back at you here. I had to get in some quick thoughts. With a good friend who knows the MCU all too well. Good man indeed. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at the MCU's Bleeding Edge. It is Mr. True Knowledge himself, Jeff Sloboda. Jeff, I know you just finished your show. I know you got a chance to watch Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness today. What are your general thoughts? So we could go ahead and hear the kind of true knowledge you're willing to drop. 
Well, it was a, uh, a great start for the MCU. Things started off very well, and the film was very well done. It was very entertaining. It had a great pace, good story. Overall, I can't really think about anything about it that I would find at all anything but positive. Overall, well, just, just a really well done film. I'm glad to hear you enjoyed it. Glad to hear that you actually have some good thoughts about it. Your thoughts oh, on exactly how this sets up the MCU for the future, which I think is another key question coming out of the film. I feel like, honestly, Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige, I don't think that they really, as much as you might think, I don't think they viewed this film as a major vehicle in terms of conveying anything really directly connect, you know, from a connectivity standpoint to the future of Marvel, to the future of like Phase 5, for instance, right? I feel kind of like the movie was very isolated in itself, right? It, it's very, it was a very self-sustained story. The end credit scene ties directly to like what I guess would be Doctor Strange 3. Yeah. It was still good, right? It was exciting. Charlie's Theron, great grab for Kevin Feige at Marvel Studios, I think. I don't know what, you know, what your thoughts would be, but... Oh, she's I, a terrific actress. Absolutely terrific. Yeah, I mean, I think that she's a great addition. And once again, I think that, I guess, kind of like proves that what it boils down to, actors and actresses out there seem very optimistic and seem very happy to want to join up with what Marvel Studios is doing. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, those are some great thoughts indeed. Once again, it's Jeff Sabota from the MCU's Bleeding Edge. Before we head on out, my friend, and I know, again, I appreciate you coming in for some quick thoughts on it and definitely some good thoughts indeed. I want to get a chance to go ahead, maybe down the line, be able to hear some more detailed thoughts on that for you. Moon Knight just ended its run season one with a appearance by Jake Lockley there at the very end, taking out whatever's left of Ethan Hawke and also the god he was trying to go ahead and bring to life and Amit. Your thoughts on the series itself and the fact that it really doesn't tie as of now itself much to the MCU. Well, you know what? I hate to be in this position and whatnot and everything, but I have to just be honest here and just put out my real thoughts. And I'm very, like, let down by the series itself overall. I felt like it was inconsistent, and I felt like I don't like the direction that they took it with with the story. It was not the Moon Knight Disney Plus series I wanted, personally, as a fan. And I feel like I don't want to say at all that Oscar Isaac's outstanding acting performance or anything was wasted because I don't believe that that's a, a fact, but I do believe that overall this could have been a better series. It could have been a, a more entertaining and impactful series. They could have still done the mental health stuff. They could have still got into the psychological thriller type genre and whatnot that they wanted to go into. But at the end of the day, right, we all had the concerns before the series came out about Okay, are we going to get a, a comic book accurate Mark Spector Moon Knight where there's going to be graphic violence to some extent, there's going to be some brutality, there's going to be killing, things of that nature. We all had concerns, right? And overall, they ended up being founded. Because at the end of the day, this was Moon Knight light. It was. And honestly, I was very disappointed with where the series went with episode 5 and 6 specifically, I was let down, and I felt like the finale was a complete, uneventful, just not very well done finale. Honestly, out of all the Disney Plus series that I've seen, it was actually worse than the Hawkeye finale. The Hawkeye finale was better. I think it was probably the worst finale I've seen out of any of the Disney Plus shows, including What If. There's the thoughts right there from Jeff Sabota from the MCU's Bleeding Edge. Before we head on out, let everybody know what you got in store for viewers and listeners of the MCU's Bleeding Edge. Well, just the same old, same old, what we do consistently, and that is provide what we hope to be informative and fun and entertaining and sometimes funny and a little bit maybe adult-themed at times, maybe not so much for kids here and there, and just try to provide solid coverage, you know, with Marvel Studios and Marvel and, and DC occasionally and the whole fandom kind of deal. When we do three shows a week, Wednesday nights, Friday nights, Sunday nights, very simple, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, and we do all our shows live, we're easy to find on YouTube and Twitch or on everything, and overall, we just really enjoy making Marvel MCU content, we like to talk about Marvel, 
I'm an old school Marvel comic book fan. That's my role in the show. My co-host, he sort of does more of the, the film evaluation, knows more about cinematography, acting. We have an interesting dynamic. My co-host and myself, we moderate in rotation. So that gives us kind of a different vibe every week. And overall, I mean, Gerald, you've been on with us. We have really like solid chemistry with our people on the show. And we have really quality people that come on with us that I really enjoy recording with. And without them, there would be no show. Well, definitely is a great time indeed. Anytime I stop by the MCU's Bleeding Edge. So please check it out today. If you're a fan of the MCU, no better place to go than the MCU's Bleeding Edge. Jeff Sabota, Mr. True Knowledge himself. Appreciate you stopping by for some quick thoughts on, of course, Doctor Strange, the Multiverse Madness, and then also as well, Moon Knight Season 1. Will we get a Season 2? Who knows? Will Moon Knight stop by and somewhere else in the MCU? Who knows? We don't even know right now. So we'll see what happens. The next show for Marvel or the next thing on their slate is Miss Marvel that's coming up next month. So we'll see what happens there. But Jeff, glad you could always stop by right here. That's right. That's right. And Gerald, what happens with Oscar Isaac? Exactly. We don't know. It's up to him, I think. I think he can write his own checks. I think he can write his own contract. I think he can write his own scripts if he wants to, as far as Moon Knight is concerned, because I think they're very happy with his performance overall. And I think everybody out there, including Kevin Feige, would love to see him with a future in the MCU. It all depends on him. Can they replace Brie Larson with him and have him be Captain Marvel? That's something I don't think that they'll do. Okay, all right. Yeah, well, there you go. But once again, it's Jeff Sloboda, the man behind the MCU's Bleeding Edge. Please check out Mr. True Knowledge himself today, wherever you get your podcasts. Jeff, it's been great to have you on. Thank you so much for taking the quick time here to stop by to share your thoughts right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back to close out the show. It's the Pop Culture Cosmos. Want to thank so much Jeff Sloboda for stopping by. Catch his show, The MCU's Bleeding Edge, everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. But before we head on out, my friend, wanted to go ahead and talk some Moon Knight. You got a chance to see the series as I did. For me, it was still confusing at times. The plot, and the way it drives forward, and the final battles between Ahmed and everything that went on. You know, once Ahmed was risen up again by Ethan Hawke, I think that it was okay for what it was. But this series is driven by Oscar Isaac and his different personalities. Let's face it, my friend, that's the only reason you really want to watch this show. I am sad that it didn't push anything or didn't relate itself in any way, shape, or form to the MCU. If he never appears again in the series, I had mentioned before that I thought this was an introduction for everybody, for him, for his future in the MCU. If there is no future for him in the MCU, this to me is very disappointing because I thought the What If series would be a, a series that you didn't need to check out because it had no ties to the MCU. This may ultimately be, become something that you don't need to watch because it has no ties to the MCU, uh, seemingly right now. I'm hoping that will change, but it's very unclear that there's going to be a season two. It's very unclear if Oscar Isaac is actually going to commit to the role again. It's very unclear if Moon Knight will ever appear again in some form or fashion on a Marvel television or film series. So Marvel's contracts have always involved like, hey, you need to do so many projects. Yes. So I imagine we will see him in a movie at some point. They've actually shortened that process. They won't tie anybody to long-term contracts now. Yeah, I realize that. But they wouldn't just say like, oh, hey, we're going to make this six-episode series of Moon Knight just for fun. You know, it's not going to have any implication or any I'm hoping not. to anything else. Yeah, I'm hoping not too, but... You know, you look at he's in Marvel's Dark Suns. Is it Dark Suns or Black Suns? Something like that, where he's like teams up with Dark uh, Avengers. Yeah, he teams up with Iron Man and Blade and the Ebony Knight and all that. So I feel like we're going to see that come to fruition at some point, especially with if you saw the end credit scene in Eternals, it showed Kit Harrington's Ebony Knight and you, know, you hear Blade's voice in the background. So I feel like that's just a matter of time until that happens. As for Oscar Isaac, like people really loved this show. You know, it was all over the place as far yeah. as like quality wise, but people really loved it. And I love the character of Steven. I thought he was funny. 
you know, I know they're trying to settle like, are we going to be a serious show or funny? I think they kind of blended the things pretty well. I think they spent too much time in his head, though. You know, in that episode where he died, I thought that that was a little too much. The show seemed to focus more on Mark Spector and Stephen. See, what's his last name in this one? Stephen Grant. This is dynamic. Grant, yeah, as opposed to like showing Moon Knight. You know, that was, I guess, my one big beef for his show titled Moon Knight. Other than that, though, like the last episode had its ups and downs. Like they had kind of like taken it from something that's more meta to. Like, oh, it's just going to end this in a brawl. You know, they, they kind of went the cheap Marvel way out as opposed to like kind of making it a little more interesting. And I guess that's what kind of like it was a mountain for me. I think that the climax was episode four and then it slowly started descending. Did you actually care about the battles between the Egyptian gods, Khonshu and Amit in this? I didn't actually care at all. It, it didn't add anything to me It's because ultimately... We saw Ahmet defeated. He got trapped into the body of Ethan Hawke's character. And now it's a situation where, oh my gosh, worried about him being released. But at the very end, in the end credits scene, after we thought his body was released by Khonshu, it turns out Jake Lockley was the ultimate killer all along. Not Mark Spector, not Stephen Grant. But anytime he blacked out and couldn't explain it, it was Jake Lockley he spoke a foreign language and he actually ended up being the killer doing the dirty deed on Ethan Hawke's character and thus getting rid of Ahmet entirely in that limo at the very end at the end credit scene. And then you had Layla during this process, Layla, who is Mark Spector's wife, accepting the, to be the avatar of Tarawet. Tarawet is the, the hippo goddess of the underworld and she guides people through the underworld and she yeah. became out of necessity a, a winged character avatar for which Tower was Way. pretty cool you know it was it but, was pretty neat but it was funny because my daughter was saying okay well if you're supposed to be the avatar of a hippo how do you get wings she made that joke though she was like well she had her i think her necklace had like wings on or something but she made that joke where she's like i have a really cool costume you know and i think that that was kind of their excuse for being like oh let's make it nothing to do with the hippo we'll just make her like a like a bird but let me ask you this i mean if it turns out that five years down the line you're still not seeing anything of moon knight in the rest of the mcu what does that say about this series because to me it would be a great disappointment one of the things i've always said on this show is i've loved my time watching the mcu because i feel as even though we've seen some bad stuff in the mcu I always feel that I've been rewarded for my investment and time in the MCU because of the fact that they've always tied even ever so loosely into each other. What are your thoughts on that? I understand why some properties didn't get as much love as others, but yeah, they have done a good job of like, even the stuff that wasn't so good, they reward you for watching it. Moon Knight. And I, it's such an obscure character that I don't think they would have wasted time or money putting that series together unless there was a greater purpose for Moon Knight's existence. Okay. There was a couple of MCU tie-ins that the executive producer nixed, including a Camille Nanjani poster or commercial for one of his films, Bollywood films and whatnot, that he did not want in there and something else that could have tied into the MCU. Echo. They're trying to Echo Echo be the love interest. Because I haven't watched Hawkeye. That is supposed to be Echo, right? The archer is Echo, the girl. Well, no, she's not an archer. Echo is an assassin of the Kingpin, although she didn't really know at the time as far as what was going on with the Kingpin and how evil he was. And at the very end, she turns on him. And that obviously sets up the parameter for her series on Disney Plus down the road. Okay. All right. Watch Hawkeye. It's the best MCU series ever on television. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It's been a slow catch up for me on all these shows. All right. Well, Hawkeye is to me the best. I think it was a better structured series, but the reason why this series still gets a thumbs up for me and from everybody else is the brilliant performance of Oscar Isaac. Whether you like or dislike his British accent, the performance, the emotion that it conveys, the reasons and the motivations for the existence of these other characters in his life like you said that episode that very emotional episode on how you find out what's going on in his life i think that it tells you that 
they can do some good things in, in the MCU and Marvel, really emotional, impactful stories when they want to. And that's what I like the best about this show. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. They did a good job of like offering something that was un- relatively unknown for the MCU, a, a different type of mythology, different type of story. So it just goes to show like they are still trying to cater to people who don't necessarily love all of the superhero business. Yeah, absolutely. But we want to hear your thoughts out there on Moon Knight season one. Hopefully there'll be a season two. Hopefully there'll be something to extend it into the MCU because I'm really right now on the fence on whether or not I feel that I invested my time wisely in watching this series simply because of the fact that Again, if it doesn't tie itself in the MCU, then why have the series there? I really think it will. Josh thinks it will. Do you think that Moon Knight will eventually tie itself into the MCU? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Before we head on out, <laughs> cannot believe of all the weeks you don't watch Halo, this is the week you don't watch because I would have loved a Josh Peterson rant. That's all I'll yeah, say. Yeah, I really wish I would have watched it. I fully intended to. The time escapes me. But go ahead and talk about it because, like, I... You will I'm see gonna, it, though. You yeah, better I see it. I, I am going to watch it and I'll, like, elaborate more on it. But, you know, you were mentioning they kind of went down the road. I kept saying I hope they would not. Well, let me ask you this. You remember I've been talking for weeks about Tokyo Vice, which still has no sign of being approved or not approved or canceled or given a season two. And please, HBO Max, give it a season two. I think it's worth it. But you know how I was talked about? The only real issue I had was the side story about how it took up 15 to 20 minutes sometimes in an episode and a little bit more in the final episode that I thought was no more than a distraction. And I really didn't think it gave too much the overall story. And it took away from the interesting part of the story. Yeah. Remember how I talked about that, Mm -hmm. but it never took over an entire episode. They never devoted an entire episode to it. They actually still kept going on mostly the important parts of it, the investigation, the behind the scenes, the newspaper behind the scenes, the police, as far as their investigation, the betrayals, the whole nine yards when it comes to the Yakuza and the underground, they still devoted much of the series to it. With Halo, they've been doing all these different things with the Covenant and the backstory. They've been doing a lot of stuff between the UNSC. They've been doing things where they're interacting with each other. The part of the series you and I have not liked is the development of this it's, I don't even know if you could still call it insurrectionist from the game series. You really can't. They're like rebels. They say they're yeah, rebellion. Yeah. But the rebellion is only one person, really, Quan Ha, because everybody else in the rebellion who were working at this water plant got all killed off in the first episode. Mm-hmm. And the ex-Spartan, uh, Sorn 066, they've got stuck on this planet because of certain circumstances. Well, they went out of their way in episode seven to go ahead and make sure they devote the entire episode to this storyline getting finished up, getting wrapped up. And I will just say that it's just not the way to go. You're you're there to watch Master Chief, who doesn't even have his helmet on most of the time. You're there to see the development of how this is going on. And you see this. This is totally different from what you really wanted to see. And to me, that was a disappointment. Yes, they go ahead and they battle the other rebellion group or other insurrectionist group that actually wants to side with the UNSC. And that, to me, was really kind of another 
thing that they added in there that isn't part of the video games, which you really don't care about. And Quan Ha's storyline that again gets finished off in episode seven. I really thought it was for the worst, and I can't believe I sat through it. It was just, oh, it was bad. It's bad. See, that irritates me. You know, okay, so in the games, like no one cares about the insurrectionists. You hear stories about them, you know, they briefly allude to them in Halo Reach. In the books, you know, there there are almost entire books like dedicated to like ex Spartans living amongst the insurrectionists and all that. But this has been my least favorite part of the show is Soren and Quan. I don't know why they had to create a storyline for them. I honestly don't know why they have to have so many episodes with the Master Chief and not like make the Master Chief do the things that we all know and love about the Master Chief. I honestly like I I know money, but you know, this show has already been pre-approved for a second season. It seems like there's no point. Like it seems like this is the prologue to Halo, and the next season we're gonna actually get Halo. I also find myself not caring about a lot of the things going on in this show. And you know, like I said <laughs> before, especially the Quan and Soren stuff. I just don't care at all and now i just am like i will watch the episode but i'm not excited about it you won't be excited about it again the series which you said the last episode was the best episode of the series and that's not saying a whole lot because most of the episodes have been underwhelming but this last week's episode was the best episode of the bunch and maybe you should get people back invested into halo this will take it right out of them this will suck the life out of you, just like a balloon. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you That's right now. Funny. Yeah, and next week, I guess they're going to delve more into the Covenant Lady, which is a totally made-up character in this series, and her alignment. Is she going to come back to humanity and be, be a good part of humanity once again, or is she going to still work behind the scenes for the Covenant? And I guess that's supposed to be a thrilling storyline that you're going to go ahead and delve more into. Master Chief is certain that she can become part of humanity again and we'll see what happens there i don't know i just really am not very compelled but i am going to continue to watch it because i am still committed to video game tv series and films to going ahead and support those entities so i will continue to watch it no matter how bad it gets but after this week's episode it got really bad it wasn't bad acted that's the thing that hurts me those kwan ha and soren actually the, the actors involved with what they're given, actually didn't do that bad acting-wise. It's just what they're given is not a whole lot, and it's not really important. It's not really entertaining. Yeah, yeah, and and that's my big beef, too. I mean, I'm sure had they tied them into, like, the discovery of some Forerunner artifact or, like, their fates are directly linked to, like, something the Master Chief is doing, that would have been a completely different story. But just giving them their own side story just for the sake of having it did not bode well with me or does not bode well with me. And, you know, this is one of the things that always made like the original Halo trilogy, such a great narrative because they were able to give you so much backstory without having to go there. You know, you can like talk to a character and they'd be like, Oh, blah, 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 blah. Or you can read something and find out all this detail about things without actually having to know anything about this character in a separate screen, I guess. What are your thoughts out there on the latest episode of Halo, Episode 7. Did you find it a waste of time like I did? And Josh will find out very soon. And I know I'm probably going to get a text sometime this week telling me, oh, God, Gerald, you were right. Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Enjoy, Josh. Enjoy. <laughs> Thank so, you. Before we head on out, my friend, I wanted to go ahead and say... A special thumbs up and a thank you to everything that Retro City Games has done for us and say congratulations. They are moving their Henderson location here in the next couple of months to a larger location in Henderson. So they're growing bigger and stronger and all props to Retro City Games. Wanted to go ahead and share that. Antonio and Nicole and Doug wanted to give them a big shout out before we head on out. But speaking of video games, and they're the best place to go for video games here in Las Vegas, but speaking of video games, Trek to Yomi was released last week. Nice little interesting short samurai adventure. Very stylistic. I love the black and white feel. It reminds me of samurai movies of old. They said it's pretty shallow when it comes to the gameplay itself. So it's only getting marginally good reviews. It's Any a side interest... scroller, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Any interest in playing it at all? I've read some things and I've seen a little bit of gameplay. 
yeah, I'd like to play it. Like right now, I've got so much stacked up in my back catalog. I don't know if I'm gonna like take time to play this one because it doesn't. It's not specifically calling to me, but I do enjoy the art style. Uh, is it something you're thinking about picking up at all? I guess if it goes on the cheap, but again, finding out it's not that beefy of a game outside the aesthetics, it's really going to be something that maybe I can go ahead and wait until there's a good sale on. So, yeah, 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 absolutely. And before we head on out, the big news in the video game world last week was the Embracer Group, a capital investment firm which invests itself into video game properties, and it's got several under its banner already, purchased the Crystal Dynamics Group from Square Enix for a, I think, a bargain price of $300 million. That's all the Tomb Raider games. That's Deus Ex. That's Legacy of Cain. Some pretty good titles there, some pretty good IPs. Your thoughts on this before we head on out? I've said this before. I don't think that Square is the right company to sell your company to. You know, like (laughs) we saw the way they treated IO Interactive with the Hitman trilogy. Now we're seeing the sales of Eidos Montreal and Crystal Dynamics. Crystal Dynamics. And this is like right on the heels of the announcement of another Tomb Raider game, which was surprising to me. Because this is the same company that owns THQ Nordic, and you know they mm-hmm. have put out a lot of kind of trashy games. So, which we I talked guess, about, yeah. And I guess my fear here is, you know, without a parent company that is actually someone that makes video games and publishes them, that quality control is not going to be there anymore, and we're going to get like cheaper versions of Tomb Raider. You know, and now you, I mean, you look at social media, you look at technology. Now is like the perfect time to put out another Deus Ex game. Anyways, all that aside, like Square sold these companies in order to focus more on blockchain games and NFTs, which has really angered a lot of people. You know, and I know that they have just made disgusting amounts of money from Final Fantasy 14, but this like interest in blockchains and NFTs, I think, is going to be to their detriment because now they've become a company that only puts out so many video games per year, two years, or three years now. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with it. I agree with you. I am concerned about the future of all those properties because of the fact that the Embracer Group is not a video game-centric group in mind. They're not a group that has been known or a consortium or a company that is going to be known for something that is, let's say, like when Microsoft buys Activision or find that finally goes through that they're obviously their intent is to go ahead and make good games continuously going forward i'm not sure that's going to be the same case for the embrace group and what it does for tomb raider deus ex and and anything else going forward so i'm concerned to say the least we're also seeing a similar situation here with ubisoft right we have a company that's looking to acquire them that is not necessarily a gaming company so that's another thing that's you know, I find interesting. We have these companies who aren't, well, I guess Embracer Group does focus on gaming, but they're not like Microsoft or Sony or Nintendo. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll go ahead and keep you updated right there at the Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source on Facebook, but also here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. What are your thoughts out there on the Embracer Group purchasing Crystal Dynamics? Please let us know. Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. Big shout out to Diane who gave us a message there on the chat. Thank you so much for watching and listening to everybody who has done so. But any last thoughts before we head on out? Not that I can think of. I know Bethesda and Microsoft announced a conference coming up here. So, you know, I'm hoping we'll hear something from Sony. There just needs to be more game releases coming out in the fall. But we'll have to see what happens with that. And But that's it. I mean, I'm sure we'll have more to talk about later. Absolutely, indeed. But we do thank you always for watching us, listening to us, and catching us wherever you can right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassman. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day.
You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.